Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is sponsored by Zero Acre Farms, an innovative and healthy alternative to seed oils. You probably know that seed oils are a huge problem. They've been linked to widespread health and environmental issues, yet they are in practically everything we eat. And that's because seed oils are cheap and they're found in most restaurant and packaged foods. They are unfortunately very high in inflammatory linoleic acid and omega-6 fatty acids. But Zero Acre Farms is here to change that. Their cultured oil is an all-purpose cooking oil with over 90% heart-healthy and heat-stable monounsaturated fat, meaning it has more monounsaturated fat than even olive and avocado oil, and up to 10 times less omega-6 fats than even olive and avocado oils. Cultured oil contains less than 3% omega-6, while olive and avocado contain up to 21% or more. Their oil also has a high smoke point, 485 degrees, and a clean, neutral taste, making it perfect for everything from cooking to baking and salad dressings, and it serves as a one-to-one replacement for all liquid oils. It's great for frying, roasting, sauteing, stir-frying, baking, dressing, drizzling, and baking. I love the neutral taste, and I've been using it in my baking, in salad dressing, and even in homemade mayo. Since it's made by fermentation, cultured oil has a 10 times smaller environmental footprint than vegetable oils, and it uses 85% less land than canola oil and requires 99% less water than olive oil. It's infinitely recyclable aluminum packaging completely blocks UV light, which prevents oxidation, and it's gluten-free, vegan, and glyphosate residue-free certified and allergen-friendly, as well as Whole30 approved. Zero Acre Farms is offering you free shipping on your first order. You can get free shipping by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash zero acre. That's Z-E-R-O-A-C-R-E. Make sure to use the code wellnessmama at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Bond Charge, a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Founded on science and inspired by nature, their products adopt ancestral ways of living for our modern day world. From blue light glasses to red light therapy to EMF management and circadian-friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of modern-day life effortlessly and with maximum impact. My favorite products that they have are their anti-radiation and EMF protection products and their lighting solutions. I use their EMF blocking laptop mat when working on my computer to protect my body from EMFs, and their blanket is great for curling up and watching a movie or for use while traveling. I'm also a really big fan of their lighting. Junk lighting has been a problem for a long time, and I hadn't found a great solution until now. They have red light bulbs, which have zero blue and green light. They're designed and tested not to disrupt melatonin production. And they also have full spectrum bulbs that have settings for morning, afternoon, and evening. The daytime settings mimic the full spectrum light from the sun, and the evening setting mimics a campfire to help promote restful sleep. At my house, I love using their full spectrum bulbs in ceiling lighting, which is the angle we get light from the sun and I use their red spectrum bulbs in lamps, as some evidence shows that red light is meant to be experienced from eye level or below in nature. Now I can just switch from overhead lighting to lamps at sunset and help my family feel calm and relaxed before bed. They're also very energy saving and low or no EMF. Check out all their products by going to bondcharge.com slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama to save 20%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash wellness mama and the coupon code wellness mama to save 20%. Hello and welcome to the wellness mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and this episode is all about breast health, breast issues, hormones, and finding balance. And I'm here with my friend Magdalena, who is the founder of Hormones Balance and of Wellina products, which are supplements made by women for women. And her online platform and products are dedicated to helping women balance hormones naturally. And I have known her for years. I've had her on before, and I will link to her first episode in the show notes as well. But I always learn a lot from Magdalena. And this one is a topic I have not covered on the podcast until now, specifically focused on breast health. And she gives some very practical ways that we can support breast health and explains how our breast health is actually a window into other aspects of health as well, especially our hormones and what certain issues can indicate how to keep a proactive pulse on breast health and hormone health in general, and so much more. Um, We talk about everything from benign lumps and fibrocystic breaths to pain and swelling and more severe issues. Um, She talks a lot about estrogen dominance, which was the topic of our first episode, She talks about oils and herbs that you can use in lymphatic massage at home. 
and other ways to support the lymphatic uh, system to keep breast healthy and addressing the root cause of issues, including estrogen dominance. We talk about diet and supplements that can be helpful, how hydration and lymphatic function come into play, uh, and so much more. She shares some practical tips and her own experience, as well as her clinical experience in this really fact-packed episode. So without any further wait, let's join Magdalena. Magdalena, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And this, this time around, we're doing video. So that's a little bit new, but exciting. It is. It's fun to get to see your face. And we're going to talk in depth about breast health and hormones today. But before we do, I have a fun fact about you that you, the first foreign language you spoke was Danish. And I just want to hear about this because that's fascinating. Yeah. You know, so my father was a diplomat and our first, uh, his first assignment was Denmark. And we left there when I was five years old. And so I grew up there age five to 10. The very first school I went to was actually a Russian school because we were part of a communist bloc. So they forced us to go to a Russian school. But then when I found out that I wasn't six years old, I was only five. They said I have to go back home and my mother didn't want to have me at home. So they went to a Danish school, a public school. And it was kind of revolutionary because a lot of, you know, you were kind of supporting the big brother, which was Russian schools. And so my parents were considered kind of rebellious to do that. But yeah, I was like the only an only kid of coming from like a, a working, you know, like an intellectual family because the rest of it were immigrants that Denmark was taking. It was very gracious to take a lot of immigrants uh, from like Afghanistan and India and from Turkey. And so, you know, it was, um, it was a pretty rough start, uh, but it was also like we were all learning the language and, you know, and that was, that was like how I learned that as a first foreign language. In fact, when I get kind of tired or, if, I guess if I'm a little bit tipsy, people will ask me if I'm German or South African. Uh, so I think it's the Danish influence, you know. That's so funny and probably great for you lifelong because I've heard if you learn another language before, I think like age eight or somewhere in there, it like sort of pre-primes your brain to be better at that kind of stuff your whole life. You would know more about that than I do, right? But <laughs> like That's with really kids, cool. multilingual kids, right? Yeah. Well, an area you are definitely also an expert in is all things related to women's health and hormone health and breast health, which I've never talked about on this podcast and which is something that hasn't been, I will admit, super top of mind to me up until this point in my life, just because I didn't really think about it when I was younger. Um, but I know it's something to be aware of and I want to be proactive about as I get older. So to start off broad, I know there's probably a lot of things that fit under the umbrella of breast issues. So maybe just kind of give us an overview of those and how common these things are. Yeah, sure. So, you know, our breasts are, first of all, a huge indication of our what, what is happening in our overall health in women, right? So whether it's hormonal changes, like a lot of women, we start realizing that our breasts are potentially having a bit of a problem when, our, it's, when it's correlated with our periods, right? And so that's like one type of hormonal changes um, or breast changes that happen because of hormonal changes. So we call it cyclical breast issues, right? And then you have the non-cyclical, which means that there are some women who truly have health issues with their breasts throughout the their cycle, or women who don't have a cycle anymore um, could be going through a lot of breast changes as well. So it's super common. And it's, to, it's coming to a point where, you know, we almost like dismiss it as in saying like, it's not a big deal, right? Meaning you go and see a doctor and you get an exam and they will say, well, you know, you just swell in and it's, even though your your cup size goes from cup A to cup C in a course of four days and you swallow it and you need a lot of pain and you don't want to be intimate and all that, you know, it's they will say, well, that's normal, right? Because everybody else is experiencing it. What I've learned over the years is that, you know, as we have our cycles, uh, there's tremendous changes that happen, right? Our estrogen, progesterone fluctuate, our FSH, LH, you know, all of those hormones are fluctuating a lot. And so it's not unusual for us to have a change in weight and mood and food cravings and, you know, how we even energetically, how we show up, right? Whether we are open to things or whether we want to kind of just hide in our cave and do our own things, which is normal, you know? And so there is, there's a bit of a thin line between what's normal and what's not normal, right? Like, so so question is, can you feel any breast changes when with your cycle? Absolutely. Is it normal to go from cup A to cup C in a course of three, four days? And the answer is no. Is it normal that it's so swollen that your breasts are so swollen that you do not want to be uh, sexual with someone? You, you can't do sports. You've got to put on a special bra. This, 
even women who actually one of our formulators, which was kind of fun to work with her because we were experimenting with a lot of a lot of different oils and herbs uh, with her. You know, she w- could not put on a bra at all, even though she's cups uh, size C, uh, she's C, C cup, you know, because it's just so painful and limiting for her. So, you know, is that normal? Absolutely not. And it can definitely, you know, it can it can destroy the quality of our life. But but it's also an indication there's something bigger that's going on, right? And that's really what we're here to talk about. It's like your breast is just yet another symptom or sign that there is a bigger thing at play. And I'll just mention one more thing is that, you know, another thing that's kind of normalized by our conventional allopathic doctors is when you find a, a breast, a lump on your breast, right? And so, you know, it's like, yeah, you get whether it's your choice is to do a mammogram or you're doing tomography, whether you're doing a sonogram. And they go, well, you know, and there is a lamp and, and it looks like it's benign and it's not, again, it's, it's dismissed as being like it's not a big deal. And, you know, as we now know, breast lumps are, even those benign ones are indication of estrogen dominance that's going on in the women's body, which can then lead on to DNA damage that then can lead to breast cancer, right? So a lot of times that that lump at a time when it's found, it's not, it's not uh, a big deal. Uh, but if you continue having lumps for a very long time as a and as a clear indication of estrogen dominance, that can lead to more serious conditions like estrogenic cancer. So every reason to really start looking at your breast and understanding what your breasts are telling you, you know, in uh, when it starts happening right from the beginning. Yeah, that, I think that's such an important point that this is even if it's considered benign by traditional medicine, it's still a good clue of something that's happening inside in the body, something our body's trying to tell us. And I also think to your point that distinction between common and normal is not made enough in traditional medicine of, you know, just because something happens often does not mean that it's quote unquote normal. And I've gotten that from doctors in the thyroid space before, or when I had symptoms and I had just had a baby, I was told like, oh, that's normal because you've had a baby and like all those things. I think I say this so often on here, but we are each our own primary healthcare provider at the end of the day, like the responsibility lies with us. So anytime there's something that can give us more information on what's going on in our body, that is awesome. Even if it may be in the moment doesn't feel awesome, or it's not a comfortable symptom, it's still awesome because we're getting data about what's going on in our body. And I know for me, the only time I've had drastic changes in my breast was when I started breastfeeding and they did go up multiple cup sizes in a day when my milk came in. But that's about the extent of me having personal experience with any kind of rapid changes. And it makes me curious, you know, what causes these issues? I know I hear more and more from women who are experiencing things like fibrocystic breast or lumps or pain and swelling, like you mentioned, what's causing that? Yeah, so this is a multiple of multiple uh, factors that play a big role here. I think the two main ones that we can name really is inflammation and estrogen dominance. So, you know, let me talk about estrogen dominance first. Estrogen dominance is is a condition where you either have too much estrogen as compared to progesterone, or when your whatever estrogen that you have, the way you're breaking down that estrogen into clean and dirty estrogens is unfavorable, meaning you're producing too many of those dirty estrogens or for those of you who are clinicians in here, it will be things like the antagonistic metabolites of estrogen, right? So, and when that happens, you know, estrogen in excess is basically very inflammatory, right? And so when a woman, um, you know, is estrogen dominant, a lot of times it's not just breast, but it's also just overall ability of losing weight becomes a problem, especially around our hips and thighs. That's where estrogen likes to deposit itself, and then, you know, there's, there's a whole host of other symptoms of estrogen dominance. And we did a podcast on that two, two or three years ago uh, when my book came out. I remember um, you were really keen on uh, wanting to talk about estrogen dominance. And I thank you for that. So, you know, estrogen is highly um, inflammatory. But the other thing that happens with the breast is that the highest number of receptors in the body uh, for estrogen is in the ovaries and in the breast, right? So, Naturally, when you have too much of that estrogen and it goes into your breast when you have so many receptors and that estrogen is not a clean estrogen, is a, is a dirty kind of estrogen, or like I say, there's not enough progesterone to offset it, it becomes highly inflammatory. And so what happens is in the breast, you have lobules, you have ducts, right? And those are like these canals. Uh, there's a very rich lymphatic system in the breast, which we'll come to it in, a sec- in just a second. And that causes a swelling. So basically all these passages swell up, right? With the presence of excess estrogen. And that's what kind of leads me to the second point is that estrogen dominance causes the lymphatic system then to swell up in the breast as well. And 
So think of the lymphatic system like a highway of for us to get rid of, you know, it's like little trash cans driving around, right? Tr- trash trucks driving around the body, evacuating rubbish or trash from our body, right? That's what the lymphatic system overall is, is for. And in the breast, we have a lot of the lymphatic passages as well. And so the swelling of that causes a lot of the water retention, right? In the breast. So that's when it become really heavy, really swollen, really large. So ultimately, that's those are the two main things. And the third one is just overall inflammation. You know, so women who are inflamed because of it doesn't have to be hormones, but it could be lifestyle choices such as addicted to caffeine that are low on magnesium, for example, right? That also causes um, inflammatory responses generally in the body. And 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 for some women, because you know, as you always say, everyone is a little different, right? And symptoms of inflammation can manifest one person puts on weight, another person gets horrible headaches, another person can't sleep. For some women, especially who are more susceptible to estrogen dominance as well, inflammation then manifests in the breast overall. Um, so yeah, so, so the major three things. So inflammation, estrogen dominance, and stagnation of the lymphatic system. And I know we're going to get to go deep on the lymphatic aspect in a minute, and I will make sure to link to our first podcast episode in the show notes. So if you guys have not listened, highly recommend that episode as well. And I know we covered it in depth in that one, but can you just briefly touch on if someone knows they have estrogen dominance or now suspects that they do, what are some of the ways that we can help combat that? I know like, for instance, from our past conversation, stress comes into play, magnesium comes into play. There's a lot that comes into play, but what would just be a quick overview of that? Yeah, so let's start off with symptoms. Um, anything from anyone who is struggling with terrible PMSs, terrible periods, very heavy periods, scanty periods, absent periods, irregular periods, all of that can be due to estrogen dominance. Then you're looking at things like reproductive organ health, right? So we talked about breast, um, but also, you know, fibroids, um, uterine polyps, right? The growth of those. And eumetrosis is largely fueled by the um, axis of estrogen. You know, and then, you know, how you look, right? So, for example, um, you know, I mentioned that, like, when you have too much fat stored um, in the thighs and the in the hips and the butt, and women just can't lose that weight, no matter how much they exercise, right? That's highly estrogenic. So, compare that to women who have a lot of fat around their, uh, store a lot of uh, fat around their um, abdomen, that tends to be a metabolic disorder, right? So like typically high blood sugar levels, high testosterone levels. Women with estrogen tend to be your proverbial pear shape um, who really struggle with their weight. You know, and with that also come a lot of like mood swings, especially if you have mood swings and migraines that that it's correlated with your period. It could be highly, um, very much due to estrogen dominance. Infertility, miscarriages, super, super common, you know, and then you're talking about things like varicose veins, like if you have a lot of varicose veins around on your on your face, on your legs, right? A little tiny cherry uh, moles um, and that you might find around the body that can be also due to estrogen dominance. So hair loss is another interesting one. Hair loss, most of the time, if it's a hormonally driven, the thyroid is the first thing to inspect. But if your thyroid is, is perfectly fine, and then using, you know, Dr. Isabella Wentz's uh, set of labs, not what your doctor told you, then you will see that it's, um, you know, that it could be also due to estrogen dominance. So um, if the estrogen dominance is caused by low progesterone, then other symptoms will be things like insomnia, uh, having a lot of anxiety, having uh, memory lapses, a very common one. So as you can see, there's almost like uh, you know, when I go down the list, a lot of times in a group of women, everybody starts going like, oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, yeah. there's almost no women that we know of, I know of, you know, who wouldn't experience that to some degree. Right. And I would just mention about because you, you you asked, you know, how do you know? So going by symptoms can be extremely telling for some women. It's like the proof is in a pudding. I need to see some labs in order to believe that that is a problem. The one type of labs you don't want to go with is blood work, which a doctor might have ordered. And. You know, Katie, when I was in private practice, I cannot tell you how many women will walk in and say, uh, my doc says my hormones are perfectly fine, right? And they show me the blood work. And and it was never accounted for, like, where were you in your cycle when you did it and and such. And so the most reliable form of really understanding um, your hormones is going to be doing Dutch test, D-U-T-C-H, which is a urine test. Uh, saliva is probably a pretty far second best, but that's going to show you a lot more accurate numbers uh, where you are with your estrogen progesterone and how you're breaking down estrogens. 
That makes sense. But it does sound like for women where the cost would be a reason they couldn't do a lot of lab testing, that symptoms can be a really good insight. And I know that many of the things you recommended in that episode are also just generally supportive of good health. So they would be safe to try, even if a person wasn't going to go get full lab testing. Like all of your advice in there was so solid that I feel like if you even suspect you have these problems, maybe start there with the foundational things before you start spending a lot of money on testing and get those foundational things in place. And then if you need to, then find a practitioner, do testing and work with them. But it seems like there is a lot that's within our control if we start paying attention to our own bodies. Exactly. And and most people, most people, you know, um, I would say like, don't, don't ignore your symptoms because a lot of times you'd be like, you know, my mom, my mom had always lump, lumpy breasts and have problems with her gallbladder. I forgot about like gallbladder is another one. Like when you have chronic problems with your gallbladder, it could be also because of estrogen dominance, thyroid nodules is another one. Right. And then also if you know, the biggest one that I, I forgot to mention is estrogenic cancer. So breast cancer, ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, lung cancer and non-smokers and, you know, are all as can be, most of them are estrogenic cancers. So, you know, most women who are like, who have issues with estrogen dominance is typically not one symptom. It typically is a host of symptoms anyway. So every good reason just not to ignore it for sure. That makes sense. And it lines up with, I had uh, Dr. Thomas Seafried on the podcast talking about the cancer as a metabolic disease link and how there's like a metabolic component there in a lot of cancers, which makes sense with these as well, that estrogen could come into play in a metabolic way, because we know from that first episode how much it impacts so many systems within the body. And you also mentioned the lymphatic side, and I feel like this side is not talked about hardly at all, and I'm excited to learn from you on this. The extent of my knowledge and anecdotal experience here is reading that, for instance, like really tight, restrictive clothing isn't ideal long-term. And so I sort of switched away from that and into like non-restrictive, non-underwire. And I noticed I actually like saw changes in my breasts. They were perkier without the support. Um, But that's about the extent of my personal experience. So maybe explain to us from the lymphatic side, what's happening and how to optimize there. Yeah. So as we know, lymphatic system is all about getting the trash out of the body. Right. And, you know, look, even just by you sitting on a chair right now doing this, right. It's this is already moving your lymphatic system. Um, Let me just get up and show you something else. A lot of us, when we are standing in the line for like shopping and stuff, right? And you're like standing and waiting, right? Instead of just going from one leg to another, all you have to do is just stand up on your tippy toes and just do this and just drop, right? That's that's already like, it's a great way, you know, of just activating the lymphatic system. And you don't have to have a rebounder. I mean, if you have a rebounder, gosh, that's amazing. That's already a great, another step in that direction. Now, sometimes for some women, just doing an overall lymphatic drainage like that, or going and getting, for example, a, a, you know, lymphatic drainage massage can be a wonderful way of opening everything up. And like after surgeries, like when you have a lot of swelling in different parts of the body, I mean, this really gets everything going, but for some women, that's just not enough. And so there's, there's a method that I have learned from a doctor in Maryland, Dr. Rin, who um, invented this method. And and shows, you know, how massaging your breast through a thermogram, he will do that before and after in a thermogram, right? It will show a lot of redness and a lot of oranges, orange, right? Which is like highly inflamed breast, as long as it's not cancer or it's not, a, you know, something serious, but if it's just purely inflammation, just by massaging a breast, how much of that relief happens and doing the, the scan one more time after, and it's just everything returns to being green, which is the healthy uh, color of a tissue we should have in a breast, right? So, you know, so there is, so sometimes for some women, paying a little bit of attention to massaging your breast can be really helpful. And I'll show you the method. And then let's talk also about like what kind of oils and herbs you can do to, if you can infuse it yourself, you can get it from the from online, you can get it from us, whatever is your choice. To just to even amplify the massage uh, effect even even further. Do you want me to start with the massage? Yeah, let's start there. Okay, so I'm gonna explain it like as if you're not. Some of you are watching us online. Some of them you can see the video. Others you just like listening to it. So I'll do it in a way that everybody will benefit from that. So the idea is that you can massage your breast. You can do that first thing in the morning. You can do it uh, while you're taking a shower. It doesn't really matter. The idea is that you put your one, so I'm lifting up my left hand. I'm putting it behind my head. If you have a problem with your shoulder and you can't raise it, just raise your hand as, as far up as you can, right? And as 
as you do that, um, think of your clavicle area. This is going to be your exit sign. This is where we're going to be massaging the breast so that we want all the gunk to be going out that way. All right. Where we're going to start is from the nipple. And I'm pointing at 12 o'clock and I'm using my right hand and I'm using the, the uh, three fingers on my so from my pointing finger to my ring finger, um, and then 12 o'clock from the nipple, and gently you want to massage your breast up towards the clavicle, right? And then we're going to move on to 11 o'clock, we do exactly the same thing. Now, in terms of pressure, imagine like if under your skin, you just had a whole bunch of honey, and you want to move that honey up, right? So it's not too hard, but it's not too soft either. So it's just imagine it is a honey. And then we're going to, you know, and then I'm moving over to nine o'clock, right? And so on and so forth. When you come down to the bottom of your of your nipple, you want to go down the breast and then bring it up over to the other side. So I'm like closer to your armpit and then again towards the clavicle, right? And then you just, you continue doing that. It literally should take you about two minutes to finish massaging your breast. You do exactly the same thing with your other hand, right hand up uh, using your left palm to massage your breast. You can do that if you really have, you know, if you suddenly develop pain and you want to do it quickly, you can do it over the clothes just the way I did it. The, the, for some, some women love to do it in the shower. So I personally don't, but you can perfectly well do it in the shower because you're nice and slippery. Everything is moving. Make sure you're using some nice clean soap, like Castile soap and nothing synthetic, right? This is like one area you definitely want to, don't want to be putting all these horrible chemicals on. But my favorite is to really use specific oils, um, you know, to to really um, not just massage the breast, but also give the give the the breast uh, like some extra nutrition and movement. So a couple of options here is let me start off with the first the first oil, and that is um, oil that's infused with poke root. Poke root has been used in, you know, in herbal medicine for generations and a lot of wise women and and um, and midwives will use it for nostalgia, for mastitis, right? So in, inflammation or infection of, on the breast. It's a wonderful herb. It's one of those herbs that if you go to PubMed, there is no much research on it at all, right? But at the same time, like, you know, we also didn't have much research about meditation or yoga, right, 20 years ago. And now everybody's like, just because we can put somebody into an MRI and show what's happening, um, you know, now it's a, it's a legit, <laughs> you know, intervention, right, or, or support for health. So don't dismiss poke root. It's been used for generations, and women had incredible results with, with poke root. It is, it, for those of you who are from the South, you might know poke salat, right? And so it's actually kind of toxic unless you wash it many times. But this is the root of the plant that gets excavated in fall, and that's when it's at its prime and it's got a lot of nutrients in it. And then we infuse it into an oil. So, you know, if you just go on online, there's videos that show you how to do that. You can also use dry poke root so you can get it from like mountain rose and then infuse it yourself in an oil for like 24 hours at a low temperature, right? That's already a really great gain um, that way. If you are lucky enough to, to have have fresh root in this fall, then go in to get out and you know, and just do it yourself. It feels like very special when you do that. So poke root has got incredible anti-inflammatory activities and poke somehow has like this, you know, herbs have this intelligence of really having incredible affinity towards a lot of times towards specific organs. When it comes to poke root, it's specifically our reproductive organs that poke really works hard on. And so Poke, you can even use the same oil if you're having terrible PMSs, if you've got fibroids. In fact, I'm working on a fibroid formula now, and we're going to be using poke as well for reducing um, for reducing fibroids. You know, and so if you're having very heavy bleeding, right, it's it's a wonderful herb just to apply on your abdomen. You can infuse it into any kind of oil, whether it's sunflower oil, olive oil, it doesn't really matter as long as it's not, you know, it's a nice organic oil, right? And you massage it exactly the way I described, right? And if you have no time, no big deal whatsoever, just grab a little bit, you know, it's a tablespoon or so on each breast, put it on. It's just the only thing with oil that it takes time to absorb, right? So you might need to like let it sit there for a few minutes before you wipe it off and you put on your clothes on and start the day. You know, another oil um, that is amazing, and many of you might have it actually in your kitchen and you can start it tomorrow is if you have evening primrose oil that's got gamma-linic acid in it, right? You know, it comes in a capsule. It's always obviously oil-based, right? And so all you have to do is just poke the capsule with a knife, open it up. You might need a capsule on each side. 
And that's another one. The gamma-linic acid is works wonders on the prostaglandins that are inflammatory prostaglandins. So it calms down the pain uh, by working on the inflammatory prostaglandins, and then it, it upregulates the protective uh, pain-killing prostaglandins. So it's pretty amazing oil as well. You know, one more thing I want to mention is um, you can, speaking of external application, is um, is using St. John's wort. Um, so let's not freak out. St. John's wort taking internally can interfere with a lot of medications. That's true. And that kind of is also goes to say like how powerful herbal medicine can be, right? That it can interfere with your SSRIs and, and a whole host of different um So the, I'm not talking here about ex- internal application. We're talking about external application, which will not interfere with any drugs you're taking. And so infusing St. John's wort which is a total weed, you have passed it, passed by it many, many times, probably on many of your walks and hikes. Um, you can, again, same thing, you can buy it uh, from, from an herbal store and infuse it yourself. And there's something so magical about St. John's Ward, when in, especially in combination with poke root, it just, it almost feels like your whole breast just go, oh, thank goodness, you know? And it's just like, everything just calms down. Um, St. John's wort is also, you know, the sunshine herb, right? It grows in very sunny, bright areas. And so it kind of creates like the sense of lightness and relief of the breast. It's, I can't tell you, Katie, how spectacular it is, you know, especially when you apply it. When we were working on the cream formula, um, you know, we were doing one cream at a time or one oil at a time, one herb at a time, just to see its efficacy, Right. And, you know, and it's just, it is just so wonderful um, to, to just to see how, how if effective it can be. So that's, you know, the cream thing is, it gives you like a quick relief, right? And you can do this on a daily basis and let the pain subside. You might realize that after one month of doing that, when you open up your lymphatic system, you have these herbs like really working on the, on the inflammation in the breast. Um, you might find actually a lot of relief and you don't need to use the cream anymore. The thing that we have found is that if you don't address the root cause of the problem, it will come back, right? So two months later, three months later, your breast might be like, poof, you know, and then or the lump might come back, right? And so, so one really clever thing to do is to, you know, focus on really cleaning up your diet. So going in the anti-inflammatory diet, getting rid of the gluten, dairy, reducing sugar, caffeine. I mean, there are studies even showing like how caffeine contributes towards fibrocystic breast. Um, upping, you know, you mentioned magnesium, upping your magnesium to a point where you have, you know, do it up to a point that you have loose bowel and then, and then back off because that's your, you know, somebody who has got sufficient magnesium levels might only need to take maybe two, 300 milligrams of magnesium. Somebody who's really deficient might need to take as much as 1400 before she gets a bowel movement, right. Or loose stool because you're so depleted. So there is, that your breasts love magnesium. So that's really, and the magnesium is going to help your liver tremendously in breaking out estrogen. So that's going to be um, tremendous help. But also let's not forget like, you know, the three supplements that I love in our practice that you can introduce to really help your body break estrogens in a positive way is using DIM, using sulforaphane, right? And using calcium diglucurate. In fact, let me, let me share with you like a super quick story because a lot of people know about DIM. And, you know, and so DIM has been like um, given the name of the being the uh, the estrogen buster, right? So everybody's like, oh, I'm going to take DIM when I've got breast problems, right? And and doctors who don't really understand like the full story behind how estrogens um, get broken down will put patients on DIM. And then a lot of times women feel um, a benefit like for the first two, three weeks, maybe a month. And then after that, they kind of start getting negative results and they feel like the breasts are getting worse, the period is getting worse, the moods are are really compromised. And so the reason why that happens is because estrogen gets metabolized in three phases. The first, the first two are in the liver, the third one is basically pooping it out. So your digestion has to be, you know, fairly well working, right? So you, you're getting rid of things. But let's start off with the liver. So you have phase one liver detoxification, phase two liver detoxification, DIM upregulates the first one. So t- by taking DIM, you just open up the floodgates and then you're just passing on this flood over to phase two. But if phase two is not supported properly with the proper binders, right, and nutrients, that's when a lot of the symptoms are coming up when women start feeling terrible. So in order to support phase two, you can look at additional things like sulforaphane, which helps the, with the sulfation pathway, 
and calcium deglucurate, which is very, very underestimated and is very, but N is very powerful. I'm going to give you like a super quick story. I had, um, I have a girlfriend who is, you know, here, he, who is a new, uh, who is um, an herbalist here in Colorado. She's also a huge sportsman. She's a skier and a climber. And so out of like two weeks out of a month, her breasts would be so engorged. She would go from cup A to cup D, literally. It would be so engorged. There's just no way, you know, of doing any sports. Doesn't want to be intimate. Horrible mood, right? And she, because of, she also has a couple of autoimmune diseases. So she's got her diet dialed in. You know, she's doing AIP. She's like religiously avoiding gluten and, and dairy and all that stuff, right? Way beyond that as well. And she's gone to so many different doctors trying to figure out what's causing that enlargement of her breast. And she could not find answers. And it was literally, we went on a hike and I was just like very casually going like, what about calcium deglucurate? And she's like, calcium what? I'm like, you know, it's not the one for the bones because a lot of people think it's for the bones. It's not, it's the glucuronic acid that is just happens to be attached to the calcium molecule. And she's like, no, I've never heard of them. I, you know, and she's been like on NAC and resveratrol and sulforaphane, like the tons of magnesium, like can do, you know, nothing, right? We'll move the needle. I still have that text message from her. She would text me like two weeks later when it happened again. And she's like, dude, four days. And like my breasts are back to normal. And it was just that one compound. It was just that one detoxification pathway for her, the glucoronation pathway in the liver they just needed her needed some support, needed that binder, right? And that's also the pathway with, where estrogen also gets metabolized, gets broken up, right? And so, you know, it was just one supplement that 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 literally changed her life. So it's so fascinating, right? Like we all had a little bit different. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, supporting your body and breaking down estrogen is going to give you the long-term effect and probably is going to get rid of a lot of other symptoms you're struggling with you know, that we talked about earlier that are estrogen dominant. Yeah, I've experimented with calcium deglucurate a little bit. I didn't have anything acute. I was just curious to try it for it. But I know people also use it for mold detoxification. And it seems to really help that pathway for a lot of reasons. So that's a great anecdotal story. And maybe someone who's having a similar experience, that's something they can try that might have a really big effect for them. You're not just about calcium deglucurate. I'm, I'm glad you kind of kind of reminds me also do, do take it away from your medication so like if you take taking thyroid meds any kind of ssris whatever meds because we had a situation where we first introduced it to our community people started taking it and you're like my antidepressants are no, no more longer working we're like oh cf yeah, four, four hours away so there's just like and that's it's really powerful and also for people who have gone through i actually you know how i found out about calcium deglucurate it was from our colleagues who are who are ER docs and so emergency room physicians, because, you know, doing like when people get that kind of treatment, they're, they're just bombarded with all these, um, whether it's antibiotics and, you know, in the seizure, I mean, there are just so much of drugs being pumped into the body for, to, for a person to survive. But afterwards, um, they actually use functional docs, use calcium deglucurate to detoxify people after being going through surgeries. So that's another really cool application, but always remember far is away from your meds. Good to know. Important caveat. And just to recap, it sounds like for people who have a rebounder, which is like a mini trampoline or a trampoline, that's a great just movement to work into our day. I would guess this is also why another check in the box for why walking is great because you're getting that same sort of movement and we're just not walking very much in today's world, unfortunately. Same thing with like vibration plates, anything that's causing that lymphatic movement, which doesn't have to be running. It doesn't have to be high intensity exercise. It's, it seems like those gentle movements are actually better. This episode is sponsored by Zero Acre Farms, an innovative and healthy alternative to seed oils. You probably know that seed oils are a huge problem. They've been linked to widespread health and environmental issues, yet they are in practically everything we eat. And that's because seed oils are cheap and they're found in most restaurant and packaged foods. They are unfortunately very high in inflammatory linoleic acid and omega-6 fatty acids. But Zero Acre Farms is here to change that. Their cultured oil is an all-purpose cooking oil with over 90% heart-healthy and heat-stable monounsaturated fat meaning it has more monounsaturated fat than even olive and avocado oil, and up to 10 times less omega-6 fats than even olive and avocado oils. Cultured oil contains less than 3% omega-6, while olive and avocado contain up to 21% or more. 
Their oil also has a high smoke point, 485 degrees, and a clean neutral taste, making it perfect for everything from cooking to baking and salad dressings. And it serves as a one-to-one replacement for all liquid oils. It's great for frying, roasting, sauteing, stir-frying, baking, dressing, drizzling, and baking. I love the neutral taste and I've been using it in my baking and salad dressing and even in homemade mayo. Since it's made by fermentation, cultured oil has a 10 times smaller environmental footprint than vegetable oils. And it uses 85% less land than canola oil and requires 99% less water than olive oil. It's infinitely recyclable aluminum packaging completely blocks UV light, which prevents oxidation and it's gluten-free, vegan and glyphosate residue free certified and allergen friendly, as well as Whole30 approved. Zero Acre Farms is offering you free shipping on your first order. You can get free shipping by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash zero acre. That's Z-E-R-O-A-C-R-E. Make sure to use the code wellnessmama at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Bond Charge, a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Founded on science and inspired by nature, their products adopt ancestral ways of living for our modern day world. From blue light glasses to red light therapy to EMF management and circadian friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of modern day life effortlessly and with maximum impact. My favorite products that they have are their anti-radiation and EMF protection products and their lighting solutions. I use their EMF blocking laptop mat when working on my computer to protect my body from EMFs and their blanket is great for curling up and watching a movie or for use while traveling. I'm also a really big fan of their lighting. Junk lighting has been a problem for a long time, and I hadn't found a great solution until now. They have red light bulbs, which have zero blue and green light. They're designed and tested not to disrupt melatonin production. And they also have full spectrum bulbs that have settings for morning, afternoon, and evening. The daytime settings mimic the full spectrum light from the sun, and the evening setting mimics a campfire to help promote restful sleep. At my house, I love using their full spectrum bulbs in ceiling lighting, which is the angle we get light from the sun and I use their red spectrum bulbs in lamps as some evidence shows that red light is meant to be experienced from eye level or below in nature. Now I can just switch from overhead lighting to lamps at sunset and help my family feel calm and relaxed before bed. They're also very energy saving and low or no EMF. Check out all their products by going to bondcharge.com slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama to save 20%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash wellness mama and the coupon code wellness mama to save 20%. And I love the lymphatic aspect as well, because I feel like this has become so trendy for people doing lymphatic massage on their face and how drastically their face looks differently when they start really incorporating that. So it makes sense that it would be useful here as well. I just feel like nobody's talking about this other than you. So I love that we got to have that conversation. And it seems like also a very low risk, potentially high reward thing that women can just add to their routine that it could have some really profound beneficial effects. Um, and I love also that you brought up the herbs that can be used because I see people talking about like rosemary oil and head lymphatic massage and hair growth. And I love anytime we can use these herbs that it seems like our ancestors have known for such a long time. Um, it's funny when they go TikTok trendy, but it's like our grandparents and great-grandparents have known this forever. And I love that we're finally getting back to some of this wisdom. Yeah, totally. Also like a little bit of a deviation, but I'm guessing we're going to get questions about it because you mentioned the terms both mammograms and thermography. And I would love for you to just share your opinion on those. And if, if either of those is valuable in, in certain ways for keeping an eye on problems like this, or if women who just want to have a baseline of breast health and make sure things are good, what is a good way to go about that testing? Yeah, that's a, that's such an important question, right? So, you know, I'm a big fan of, first of all, let, let me just say this because there's these wars between no, you know, mammogram, no thermogram. It's like, here's an interesting thing. They're apples and oranges. Like it's not interchangeable. They have a completely different purpose, right? So if you're proactive about your breast health and just your, because you, by the way, your thermogram, you can do it all the way from your chin down to your abdomen. And it's not just the breast. So any, any inflammation is going to get picked up, including thyroid issues, including anything in your abdomen. So thermography out of thermography from a perspective of prevention, right? Because it will show you changes in the color way before it becomes a problem. 
and where a mammogram is going to show you when the problem is already there, right? So a very different application. So it's not one or the other. Um, you know, to me, a mammogram, it's like going up, doing a mammogram. It's like, well, you already have a problem. What have you done about it to prevent it in the first place, right? And that's what demography um, comes in. You know, if I if I had a, a high suspect lump on my breast, right, and given the history of my family, which is I have a lot of estrogenic cancers and deaths in my family on both sides, right. So I'm like a prime. I'm very primed on on you know being in trouble. So I have to watch these things. If I had a lump that wasn't going away and was showing certain symptoms that this is something isn't right, I would definitely go and get a mammogram done. But all this time till now, I've been doing thermography. And here's the thing, I just want to also, you know, a couple of things you, people need to know about thermography. And, and I apologize if you already covered that on your on your podcast, but not all thermography is, is the same. So there is like, if you go into a place that does Botox and, you know, enhancements and this and that is more of a beauty center. And also like, by the way, you can get a thermography done most likely is not going to be a very credible place. So you're going to pick a, thermo a thermography place where I cannot remember the resolution right now, but if folks go on my website, hormonesbalance.com, there is a thermography, there's a whole interview I did with a doctor who's a thermography DO, um, osteopath. And, you know, and, and so the resolution is this, you can call ahead of time and ask them what is the kind of resolution they're using. One dead giveaway is that you want to have color but you also want to have black and white contrast. And that's something that cheap places that are not serious about it to use inferior quality cameras would not give you the black and white. The black and white, by the way, Katie, is fascinating because uh, when I worked with Dr. Rin to just to get a really better understanding of thermography, he was showing me pictures of someone who had coffee. He calls it the coffee test, had a cup of coffee and then had a thermogram done, thermography done in black and white. And she looked like a panther. She looked like a tiger, rather, like patches everywhere, right? And that's one of the one of the signs that you actually estrogen dominant. And then he waited for a couple of hours. He shot that again, and the body was now clear. So it's really fascinating how you know caffeine, as an example, can be a big contributing factor. So so quality resolution matters. Who's the practitioner? Who's doing an interpretation? is really important to the person is really knowledgeable, right? So you you really are getting, you know, a solid reading and then you know you can really trust it. And that's, I think, that part of the reason why there's criticism of thermography, of missing things and, and being sort of a pseudoscience and stuff is because it is done by, like I said, like Botox centers, you know, and, and they just don't have the right technology for it and the right people to interpret the results. Very important to know. And I'm curious, you mentioned some of the herbs in combination with the lymphatic drainage and calcium deglucrate as a supplement. Are there any other good general dietary or supplement principles that women can know that are either just generally protective or acutely helpful if they're having an issue? Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so definitely, I mean, one of the big things is your uh, hydration, right? It's a huge thing um, that your lymphatic system needs that because it's like literally like your venous of your body. There is a couple of herbs also. So one is um, cleavers is one of them, really wonderful one. They don't taste horrible at all. In summer, you learn how to get them. Uh, you can also buy dried cleavers and then do a, a tea. That's your typical lymphatic um, tea. One of the women in our community had a double mastectomy preventatively, and she had so much swelling around her breast. She started drinking cleaver tea and like a lot of a lot of the lymphatic um drainage started happening right after that what we're using in you know in, in my practice and in our supplements that specifically for breast health and lymphatic is red root which is it works in the liver but it also it's a very gentle lymphatic mover so red root is another you can also look at into getting a tincture if that is an issue and let's also not forget that, you know, especially like if you have a lot of problems, let's say after surgery or women who just have a lot of issues with their breasts and things still aren't moving, you know, doing castor oil packs on your breast are just a wonderful way of moving the lymphatic system there as well. So yeah, so those are, you know, just simple solutions, water, address your estrogen dominance, red root, uh, cleavers and castor oils, uh, castor oil packs. Yeah, and I'll make sure we link to your website because I know you have many, many more resources along those lines as well. But I feel like these are all just really helpful tools for women to know. And 
I also always encourage women to go back to the foundational basics too. And I know we've talked about these at least in person, if not on the record before, but the the free things that are foundational habits. I'm so glad you mentioned hydration. I've actually had multiple podcasts in the last two weeks where they talked about the importance of hydration from an electrical standpoint of the body and how we're, uh, the body's electric and without hydration and electrolytes, it doesn't function properly. And on a cellular level and detoxification and lymphatic and sleep and how intricately all those things are connected. And so I always encourage people always start off with the foundational, get morning sunlight for the sake of your hormones and your sleep cycle, get enough water and electrolytes in your diet, try to optimize your sleep. And then anything else you do in addition is going to be so much more effective because you're supporting those natural things in the body. I also know we could have led with this, but I know you also have a personal story with breast issues. And I would love if you would talk a little of your personal experience and also tell everybody about happy sisters and what that is. Yeah. So, you know, let me, let me put it this way. You know, it's like, we always remember, I think a lot of women remember finding their own breast lump, right? Just the way we remember, like when 9-11 happened, you knew, you know, exactly where you were, right? When Princess Diana, if you follow the whole royal thing, you know, when she, when she died, when you heard about it, like most people remember exactly the time and place and what it felt like, right? And I feel like for women is the same thing. It's like when you find your breast lump for the first time, it's terrifying, right? Because then it's like the whole, you, you go on the whole spin off. Is it cancer? How do I get it? How, how do I get it diagnosed? And then you get the whole diagnostic decisions you need to make. If you call the hospital and you have a regular dog, they'll make you sound like if you don't get a mammogram tomorrow, you're going to die in a couple of weeks. Right. And you know, and the pressure is on. And then, you know, for some women, like for me too, there was like a big, thing of guilt of like, oh, is it all the, all the smoking that I did? And, you know, and all that, whatever stupid things that I was doing when I was younger and, and shame. And it's like, what's wrong with me, you know, and I'm taking care of myself and here I am. So it's a hugely emotional affair for a woman to find something on her breast. Right. And we are taught to, you know, one of the things that I think is such a disconnect is like the only time we learn how to touch our breasts is to look for trouble. Right. It's like to look for that lump if I have one. But not we, we've never done anything to kind of like do something because like you go for a massage to feel good, right? You don't go for a massage because you already have a problem most for most for most of us. So why not just learn how to massage your breasts, you know, as a kind of as a source of pleasure, but also as a source of prevention and love that you're giving, you know, the one organ that is just so important for us as women. So for me, there's always been a huge, it's it's a very fear-based. It was, I, I should say, a fear-based conversation around lump, lumpy breasts, f- finding a lump on the breast or anything estrogenic, you know, because both my aunts on both sides of my family have passed away from, my aunt just passed away six months ago from uterine cancer. On my mother's side, it was all about breast cancers, right? And so it turns out when I have my DNA um, d- genetic testing done, they're like, oh yeah, you are really bad estrogen metabolizer. And that kind of explains, you know, if I was to go to Italy or Spain or Portugal and spend like a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, and, you know, and I'm not going to lie, I'm just going to be like, okay, I'm going to have more wine. I'm going to have some really great coffee. And there is tiramisu here and there, you know, and it's suddenly like things start coming um, into my life that I typically don't do. You know, I end up with like the worst period, right? And then I end up with lumpy breasts and lumps on my breasts, right? And For me, it's always been a very fear-based topic until I started doing a lot of things around it. And now, you know, I have this thing where it's like, okay, uh, I've covered a lot of my bases, maybe not everything, but a lot of my bases, and I'm doing what I can to minimize the risk. And so now it's more coming from a place of empowerment and confidence rather than be, you know, if I find something, something suddenly hurts. I haven't found a lump actually in years, but like I had a shooting pain here the other day and I was just like, you know, there's that moment of fear, right? And paralysis. But I also, then I just do what I what I need to do. Things like apply magnesium, apply, you know, the oils that we have, right? Apply Happy Sisters, the cream that we formulated. And it's just like, everything just comes down and I'm back to. So, you know, it's I think it's just really moving from a place of fear to moving to a place of empowerment. It's like, instead of fearing or let the fear, you know, I feel like fear can be a really great and anger can be a really good energy to push us forward to take certain actions and steps, right? As long as we don't stay in a place of anger and fear for a long time. Like for me, that was like the the reason why we formulated Happy Sisters. So I can take it and a lot of other women can take it. So you don't hear yourself say, 
oh yeah, my mom died of breast cancer. My sister has lost her uterus, right? And my aunt doesn't have a gallbladder and they're also estrogenic and it runs, it runs in a family. It doesn't run in a family. You're just predisposed to it, right? But there's so many things you can do with the lifestyle changes. And then adding a couple of things on top of that is prevention. And you know, when you're going to be in a really good place, including just feeling really good about yourself and your choices. Yeah. And I think that advice ripples out into every aspect of health and toward our mindset, really, in that, like you said, those can be great motivators. But also if we can then move beyond that and come from a place of self-love and respect for our bodies and love for our bodies, you know, we see this even with women in the diet culture. Like if we can break that deprivation or that fear mindset when it comes to any aspect of our bodies, whether it's what we eat or how we're taking care of them and move into that place of love, it's just going to be a much more powerful response in our body as well. And it's coming from like a healthier place, but also that those can be a good motivator and they aren't bad in and of themselves. It's just like you said, not getting stuck there either. Yeah. Just, just moving on to it. And, you know, for me, moving forward with this was formulating, like you mentioned, happy sisters and is basically a kit that contains a supplement and, and it's got the cream. So let me just take out the cream. One of the cool things about the cream is that it took us the longest time to formulate it. And you know, Katie, because you formulate your own products, this can be a two-year process sometimes. It's got this nice pinkish color hue to it. And the cool thing about it is that one of the my biggest briefs for the formulator is to have all these, like we have castor oil in here and all the herbs that I talked about. We have GLA, so gamma linic acid. We we don't use Indian Primrose Oil, but we use another one from Borage Seed, which is even better for GLA, and St. John's Ward, and um, Nigella Sativa, which is black cumin oil in here, right? So just some really wonderful, and it smells divine. And one of the briefs was that it has to absorb within less than five minutes. So the whole purpose was that you put it on, and if you have, if you want to go to sleep, you're not going to be like, you know, having oil all over, or if you're off to start your day, you can put on a bra. In fact, you know, when I'm touching this now, it's almost is almost gone. Um, and then you could put on your bra and then start the day really quickly. And the supplement, you know, when the supplement was formulated, therefore it contains all dim, um, sulforaphane, calcium deglucurate, has got tons of magnesium, it's got red root to move your lymphatic system, it's got endographis here as well. Um, we have found that endographis actually helps you to break estrogens as well. It's got red clover, uh, which is like a women's tonic. It also helps with estrogen. So, you know, quick relief from a cream and for for the supplement is just like more of address the root cause of the issue so that it helps your body metabolize estrogen better. And it does come with like a little standee. So you can, it's like a little tent. You can put this together, put it on the bathroom, on the stance. So you can learn how to massage your breast. I mean, you do this three, four times and you, you know, you can throw this away, right? Or gift it to someone. Yeah. And then it comes with this cool booklet. So that tells you like, what every herb is and why we used it. And um, I just want to show you one one graphic because I think it's kind of um, my team came up with this idea. It's got all sorts of like different boobs. And and it says here, we've made happy sisters for all sorts of sisters. I love that. And I'll make sure those are linked in the show notes as well for all of you guys listening on the go. Everything along with the notes I've been taking are at wellnessmama.fm. So you can find it there if you are walking, exercising, or driving while you're listening. And a couple last questions I'd love to ask at the end of interviews. The first being if there is a book or number of books that have profoundly impacted your life. And if so, what they are and why. Yeah, gosh. Um I should have prepared better for this. I forgot to uh, prepare for this one, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, I think there was one that it was actually, strangely, it's a business book that I read in my early 20s, but somehow had an impact on me for um, till today. And it's called What They Don't Teach You at a Harvard Business School. And one of the things that he, it was written by a guy who basically created the whole sports marketing thing. But the point of it was that I think one of the things that resonated with me and stayed with me forever is what he said that luck doesn't happen, you know, and I feel like with health, it's like most of us, unless you have like super strong genes and stuff and like nothing will touch you. The whole point was that luck doesn't happen. You create luck for yourself. And the reason why he said that is because it's like you listening to this podcast, right. Or following Katie's work or going to some kind of a women's gathering, like you exposing yourself to more information and opportunities to really um, help yourself. And so just because, or, you know, it, and this really applies to anything in life, right? Because like you go out there and you network with people and you are friendly towards people and you're, you're helping other people and you're kind, right? And then suddenly people come to you 
And imagine like you lose your job and suddenly all these opportunities show up, right? And it doesn't come from nowhere, from, from anywhere. It just comes from the fact that we really create these opportunities for ourselves and we end up saying it was just luck. The truth is that we actually set it all up. So that was always something that stayed with me. I love that. And along that line of thinking, is there any parting advice for the listeners today that could be related to everything we've talked about or just entirely unrelated life advice? Yeah, so I would say, you know, your breasts are speaking. Um, if your breasts are in pain, they're swollen, you've got a history of lumps, you know, it's listen to that. It's like your breasts are saying to you, I need your help. We need your help. The, your sisters need your help and do something about it. And the chances are not only your breasts are going to feel better, but a lot of other things in your life are going to start feeling so much better. Awesome. Well, Magdalena, thank you so much for your time today. I know I learned a lot. I'm excited to keep trying your products and to implement some of these things that we talked about today. And I'm guessing lots of women listening are taking notes and also going to do the same. So thank you so much for being here. I thank you so much for, you know, just creating so much awareness about this issue that is not, that's so common, but it's not normal. Yes. To loop right back to the beginning, common, but not normal. And thank you for working to change it. And thanks as always to all of you for listening and sharing your most valuable resources, your time, your energy, and your attention with us today. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.